Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Dig Deep. All things faith, all things parenting, all things emotional processing. Family, I am so glad to have you back. I've been meaning to upload this particular installment of my podcast for a while. This one, if you did not get an opportunity to view it on my Instagram, um, it is a conversation that I had with my former clinical supervisor on attachment and its uh, importance in parenting. I'm so excited for you guys to just drink from this well of knowledge this woman her name is none other than natasha pemberton todd she is amazing you're gonna find out in just a second so welcome and enjoy Um, I was just telling them and sharing with them. Oh, you look beautiful. I'm looking at you on my laptop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, again, my name is Conjay Byron, and I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor here in the state of North Carolina and South Carolina. I am also your parenting and emotional processing coach. Tonight, I am happy to give you guys another installment, another important topic on parenting that has to do with attachment. And joining me is somebody very, very special <laughs> and dear to my heart. She taught me everything I know. She was my supervisor <laughs> for three years and she's been walking with me even after. And Miss um, Natasha Todd is a licensed clinical mental health counselor as well. And she supervises, um, she's an author, she um, is a coach, she could do anything. She's a creative, like she does everything. <laughs> um, hey. <laughs> so I, and I will also allow her to just share a little bit more about herself in a second. But tonight, um, as you know, uh, Safe Space, we are here to help heal um, childhood emotional neglect or, or generational trauma. And our whole goal in essence is to help parents create safe spaces for their children to thrive through healing generational wounds or generational traumas. And so Ms. Natasha um, is here to help me tonight collaborating. And I kinda, this is her first time doing an Instagram live, so it's exciting for me. <laughs> so I will, <laughs> And so you get to teach me something. <laughs> yeah, it's finally. <laughs> so um, I put on my glasses because I couldn't see really well, but um, I'm going to take them off for a little second. But um, I just want her to go ahead and introduce herself, and then we'll get into tonight's topic. Hi, everyone. It's great to be on the gram. Um, I am Natasha Pemberton Todd. And I position dreamers to live their God-given dreams. And I do that through um, a, multiple, a, a number of different approaches. Counseling is one of them. I am a therapist, have been a therapist for about 20 years. Um, but I also do that through coaching. I do that through um, 
some of my creative endeavors. Both my husband and I um, are partners, not only in life, but also in business. And so we um, pioneer a number of businesses related to family life. And so that's how I position people to help live their dreams. So I'm happy to be on here today um, to share some things with you and to, to support, um, to, to also just to chat with Kanji because we, we have history and I enjoy talking with her. And um, hopefully you have lots of questions and you have lots of um, input and uh, so we can have a lively conversation. Great to meet you all. Yes. So I'm hoping, I think I might have to share it a little bit more. Let me go ahead and share it to my uh, Instagram wall so that people know that we are live. And um, we're going to go ahead and just start off, Miss Natasha. Um, what is attachment? What is attachment? Well, when we talk about attachment in the, um, in the, mental health space we're talking about the connection that we have with another person and human beings are born for attachments um so mm -hmm. the connection we have with others is fundamentally what attachment is a lot of times uh when we're talking about that though we start with where life begins and that is in the womb and so um, most of you if you've been if those of you who are on here who are mothers who pregnant before you know as you're going through a lot of those kinds of um as you're going through pregnancy you'll hear um if you if you're um overachievers like myself you probably have attended some of the classes or you had um you've had nurses talk to you about you know baby being able to attach and things like that you would have heard the word in some way shape or form when it comes to babies right um however attachment doesn't just stop at infancy it continues throughout life and we are forever on a quest to attach to connect with others in a real way um but that has impact there are impact things that impact that attachment but what but i'm going to keep it short because i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but attachment is about connecting how we connect with others and in this sphere where we're talking about safe space parenting is how do we connect with our children a child or children and how do they connect with us yes awesome um so why is attachment or connection um important well it's fundamentally important one because it's a human need and a human desire right we are created for attachment i know a lot of us love to say i can do that all by myself and i'm every person and you know i can pull my own self up by my bootstraps but the reality of life is that we all need people we need each other and a lot of times because we've had you know bad experiences with people we've learned to survive in isolation but the truth of the matter is decades and decades of research has shown that when we are not connected with other human beings not only physically but also emotionally that we do not thrive actually when you have you know most of you may have heard of you know a symptom uh uh condition called failure to thrive and a lot yeah. of time when you're talking about failure to thrive with with infants or with children it's it's not just the physical things it's the lack of emotional activity and that's actually how attachment research was started it was recognizing that kids in orphanages um, 
who in who were in a war torn country, the ones that got held and robbed and food and all that kind of stuff, they grew went through all of their normal milestones very efficiently or very as as expected. And those who were just left in their cribs and probably just shoved a bottle and, and you know from time to time and maybe just changed and but they were pretty much left in their cribs to do whatever they did not grow as quickly and they actually regressed in some of their milestones or were slow to reach a lot of their milestones because the 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 only factor that changed or shifted was how much they were held how much they were were um they were touched and you know hugged and caressed and smiled at and all that kind of thing and one what struck the researcher actually they didn't quite go to do that they were looking at other things and found that commonality but once they've recognized that they real there there was this moment that wait a minute it's not a luxury for us to have have warmth and to feel uh, feel loved it is a necessity for our very survival um you know a lot of, a lot of times we have we've been in fact it was still prevailing um thought probably more that you know you don't children don't need anything they don't need anything um besides to be fed and changed in uh the basics and that's it and now we are that the social emotional foundation of a human being is even is as important as your physical health if not more so in fact people who have social healthy social connections or a healthy social emotional connection they overcome a lot of they're able to hardship they're able to rebound diseases a lot faster so there's even a biological connection to just having that social emotional connection or aka achievements so Conch, you're gonna have to reel me in because you know I can get no, going on, on, on tangent really go all kinds of rabbit holes. <laughs> Let me know when you need me to slow down. Like. I am not reeling anything in. This is amazing. Um, you know, and I continuously learn from Mrs. Natasha. So I love that you gave us a little bit of history. Um, gave us the biology behind it. You know, I think you are really stating the case of how important. Um, attachment is and so I would love to ask um, what are some of the attachment styles in the names of the attachment styles but because I'm an educator by nature I like to go simple first and then get technical right so if it's, if this is your jam we can get technical later if you're like, what in the world is this? Let's just do simple so you can get the basic concept and then we can move on. So when you think of attachment, uh, think of a number line. If I know it may have been eons ago since you did math, but I'm sure you remember number lines, right? 
you have this nice straight line and in the middle is the point of equilibrium. In the middle is the point of neutrality. It is where the zero is. And to the left or to the right of that zero is where you find either positive or negative. Well, when we think of attachment, it's very similar. In the middle is where we find secure. That's the ideal. That is where we want to all want to be, that you have secure attachments. A, a secure attachment style says, I, under, I, I know that life happens. People are generally good, have good intentions. And even though bad things happen, we can rebound because people generally are, have good intentions. And they, there may be a few bad apples, but I'm fine. I'll be able to survive. That's a secure attachment style, right? Um, but we have to the right and to the left of that. <laughs> and to the right or left of that, you have the anxious attachment side. I don't really put them on any particular side. I allow you to, I, my creator side says, give some options. You can put them wherever, on either side. We just focused on the secure, the middle, and wherever you want to place the other ones, you can. So we have the, uh, the uh, anxious style on right, and then we have the avoidance on the other side. Now, what does that mean? Well, most of you, if you are on the gram, I'm sure you know how to navigate Google because, you know, the in Instagram is just a little bit advanced in comparison to Google. So if you were to Google something called still face experiment, right, this is where we get this. This is where we learn a little bit more about the, the, the other styles besides secure um, in the still face experiment which has been replicated several times. We looked at, um, researchers looked at how a child, a young child, um, looked how they responded to whether, to their mother's or their parents' um, engagement. So when I say engagement, I mean, I'm not talking about just giving them food, but you know, we know when we have babies, we suddenly become mushy and we go like, oh, Kuchiku, like baby, and you know, a hype, voice goes high-pitched and we make all kinds of animes typically right um and we the researchers were looking was looking were looking at how babies responded to that and then what their response was like when parent no longer responded in that manner right and just fyi for all of you who say well i don't talk to my with the baby voice um research actually shows that the high-pitched voice is what stimulates the, la the language centers of the brain so yes there's a reason why we need to talk in high-pitched voices and why it naturally flows out of us as parents it's because it stimulates those language centers but that's another story um so as they were doing the still face experiment they noticed that whenever the mother the mother would engage with the child per normal at first and the child would do what you know what kids do they will laugh and they'll coo and they'll reach for the parent they'll do all of those things to show connection and then when the parent shifted their 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 way of interacting and shifted meaning they had a still face they were emotionless expressionless or they literally turned away from the child and they stayed that way for what for a child would feel like for actually like one or two minutes then they re they looked at the child's reaction and what they saw was the child actually got distressed like the child tried tried even more to engage the parent they started to cry more they started to fuss more they were reaching literally reaching for the for the parents and when they realized when the parent did not reciprocate then they got distressed they, they went backwards and they tried to even like get away from that from the parent right because so what we saw there one was an exhibition exhibition of anxious 
and being anxious about the parents' response or lack of response. Anxious as in they try to get to re-engage more. They, they were reaching for the parent more. They were clingier. They were trying to get do everything but, but throw a sink in order to get the parent involved, right? That's the person is always, the anxious attachment style is always running towards trying to hold on or afraid of not being able to hold on and which creates other actions which are clinging and they always want to be close and they, they're always assuming that somebody's going to leave them or things like that, right? Or this is a child who is going to always want to stick on to you or, um, you know, they, they just always want to be around you or the, anytime, anytime there's leaving, they, there's a big meltdown, things like that. You may want to look for those patterns. So apart from that, then you have the other reaction, right? When notice I said, after a while and realize reaching, leaning in, trying to get the parents' attention wasn't working, which is the anxious style, they started to pull back and try to get away if they could. That's avoidance. Because what's going on now, as further research has done, they did all the neurobiology of it. And Kanji, you know how I love neurobiology of, um, of attachment. But they did the neurobiology of it. And, and then you can see that the distress centers in the brain of the child actually went up. So their stress levels went up. Their cortisol levels went up. And they were trying, now the body in their brain what was, what was basically, the brain was actually sending signals that said, this is not safe. I am no longer safe. I'm no longer secure. And so they were trying to get away. They distanced themselves and, you know, did every avoid. That's where we get that term from, being avoidant, to avoid that connection because it no longer felt safe. Now, what does that mean altogether? Well, you know, if that happens once or twice, you know, life is not perfect. Things are going to happen. You're going to have situations where maybe you're on the phone and the child is crying or whatever and you can't get to them. Fine. You know, that happens once in a while. And then, you know, you return. And once, once the parent reengages, which is what they saw in the same, in this ex still face experiment, once the parent reengaged and they were, they were connected with the child again, they went through the same motions, they were cooing, they were looking at the child, they were attuned to what was going on. All was well with the world. Right. So the human body has a, the ability to re recalibrate from those negative experiences. However, when those negative experiences outweigh the positive ones, when the when the the emotional connection is broken more often than it is connected, then we develop a style that is to the right or to the left of that central point in, on your number line. Right. And what happens with that, then it's it creates now a template in our brain for how to show up in the world. Let me tell you why that is like that. Um, I'm getting to my happy place here <laughs> because what the brain is doing, the brain, the brain, God has designed us in such a way that the brain is going to adapt to the conditions on the outside. So if the conditions around you are not safe, the brain is going to adapt a style to keep you safe, which is going to be either to, to lean in or to run away. One of the two. And when that template is laid, the brain likes to be very efficient. So it's going to assume that 
every it's going to see relationships in context of that template until there is something greater with that writes that you know whether a person who is more secure comes along you have a relationship that's more secure and that person is consistent and they, they they maintain that 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 consistency of being there being present being attuned and all of that then that can shift so just because it's starting doesn't mean it cannot shift i want to make sure i put that out there because sometimes it becomes oh my gosh i'm broken never to be fixed no it can change but you have to be intentional about changing it right so when when that happens then the child is now learning how to interact with the world they're learning about relationships and what the brain does is sets a template for okay this is how you have to be in this in this environment that you're going into it's not very safe so therefore you have to protect yourself and protect yourself means that i distance myself from you or protect my protect yourself means i'm going to cling to the one person or one set of people that i know really really hard i'm not going to let go i'm not going to let them out of my sight because if i let them out of my sight they may never come back etc 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 and either either to the right or the left of that you will have um disruptions in attachment you know so it's important for us to as parents to be very very aware more than does do they sleep through the night or um some of the other things we sometimes become preoccupied with we really have to focus on the social emotional pieces of parenting because what we're doing is we're setting up a template for how that child is going to interact with other people including their spouse which we, my husband and i have the pleasure of dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis right including your spouse they're going you're setting a template for the rest of their life and you know you you know that that's just something that 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 is the reality of parenting so a lot of books are written about okay how to get them to sleep through the night or how to get them potty trained or how to get them to adapt to a schedule that you want and all of that kind of stuff not a lot of books are being written about how important it is for us to make sure that we are setting a, a right emotional environment for our children. And so a lot of us do a lot of things, but we're not necessarily connecting on an emotional level. And that's why attachment is so important because in my practice, even to the, uh, right now, you know, where I deal with women who are, you know, women and children, but let me talk about the adults. I'm dealing with adults who are in their 40s, who are in their 50s, who are in their 60s, who are dealing with wounds from childhood. Not yeah. because they're you know, sappy and they don't want to deal, they don't want to deal with life and they just want to be a victim, but because these things have real implications and real consequences. Whether you want to be, whether we want to believe that or not, the body remembers and it shows up. And sometimes they, oh, I moved on from that and they moved on and then move on they kept doing they kept doing they kept doing until you re hit a wall in your 40s and 50s and all of a sudden it's like wait a minute but i was running from this stuff i thought i dealt with this stuff and now no now you now have to sit and deal with it so that's why attachment in the young days and having a focus on a parenting attachment style um creating a secure attachment is that much that important and if I may say one more thing before before I, I turn back to you, Kanji, when I started off, um, I said I was a therapist.
I've been a therapist for uh, about 20 years. When I started off in the field, uh, in, in therapy field, my plan was, because of course I'm a planner, I had a plan. My plan yes, was to work is, with my <laughs> <laughs> plan was to work with adolescents. And for whatever reason, as God would have it, I, I found myself in, in positions where I worked with very young kids. And I did that for a long time. It was not my plan, but God made sure I was there. <laughs> and it was great. And in retrospect, it was great because I had to learn and unlearn a lot of things. I thought, you know, were just things that came from my childhood that, you know, we learned about upbringing, about what child, children are, et cetera, et cetera. And a large part of things, the, the thing that revolutionized my, my outlook and my approach was the attachment. The very first thing that we talked about or my supervisors talked about talked with me about was the attachment piece, not the other pieces behavior and just deal. we dealt with that but from the from this from the spring of an attachment and the moment that we that we were able to I was able to latch on to that a lot of other things fell into place even working with a lot of the kids some some um you know kids and teens that I've worked with over the years who are in foster care or, or adopted etc etc getting that connection piece is fundamental it is yeah. fundamental. Yet it is the it is the thing that we spend the least amount of time on. Yeah. That, no. that's for sure. Thank you for saying that because I constantly um, tell parents that you know the greatest uh, behavioral modification tool to use with kids is your connection. <laughs> Connect with them, uh, bond with them, and some of the issues that you're having, it will decrease disappear because a lot of the times kids um you know they have to build their the feeling vocabulary and so forth and so a lot of what we see come out in their behaviors and so and honestly i feel from my work with kids and i'm so happy you highlighted that you first began working with kids it makes so much sense because i also had to unlearn and you know renew my mind in certain areas but um the more um I think I lost my train of thought. Let me see if I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, with, with the behavior modification, um, attachment, again, is one of the biggest tools that you would ever use, one of the best tools mm -hmm. that you can ever have as a parent um, to help your child along. And um, I guess that, that also leads me into my next question. Um, so, but just to recap really quick. So, Miss Natasha, um, I call her Miss Natasha. <laughs> um, she talked about the secure parenting style. She talked about the avoidant um, parenting style, dismissive avoidant. It's also known as dis dismissive avoidant. Um, she talks about um, the anxious or preoccupied um, <laughs> parenting style. And then there's the fearful avoidant parenting style which is more it's called a disorganized parent not a parenting style sorry attachment styles um this is you know very disorganized and so i wonder if a parent um isn't aware of the how can i ask this um if a parent has an attachment style that's not secure um, we kind of hit on it a little bit, but what are some of the challenges that you've seen 
in their ability to connect with their children or even um, have the capacity for some of the behaviors that they see? Um, wow, that's a big one. We see, we see a range of things, right? So we see the extremes, basically. A lot of us are familiar with the different kinds of parenting styles um, where you have the permissive parent, you have the parent who is um, more hardline um, in their approach, and then you have the one who's in, who's in between. It's, it's, it's the same mirror, right? Because if you, it, I, what I found is that if you, if you look at the parenting, the parenting style, you can almost guess the parents' attachment style, because they, they tend to, they tend to mirror each other quite, quite often. Um, so the person who is more avoidant and, and can be or considered dismissive, um, that person is going to lean into feelings very much they're going to they're going to be you know it's just it's this it's that and that's it you know i don't care how you feel just get it done and a lot of us were raised like that if you're west indian and if you're black you'll probably have run into that at some point in time and i like to say to people because i don't i don't want this to be a beat up session right I like to say to, to make sure that we have the caveat and the lens that, again, your brain, you, the brain adjusts to match the, the conditions that you're meeting, right? So if you if you think about of, of our ancestors who were slaves or who were pioneering in really hard times, some people may have grown up in war or all kinds of other hardships, you know, a whole lot of time for you to be in their nerving feelings. All right. So, so there was a function for that because to, to sit and just kind of uh, to, 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 to spend time to be introspective and all of that could get you killed at a certain point. Right. So there is a place for that approach. However, what we have learned about body and how the body functions is that that does not need to be all 365 24 7 365 approach to life because it keeps our bodies in a stress response system as opposed to being in a relaxed state and relaxation is where our, our body's been in a relaxed state where our blood pressure is down our oxygen levels are up and all of that is where we're able to think the problem solve and use front prefrontal cortex um, of our brain the part that we really want to use to move us forward, we need to have that. And if that's not firing, we're only using uh, what some people call the reptilian brain or the back part of our brain, which is fight, flight, or freeze. If we stay in that state 365 days a year for the rest of our lives, it creates disease. It creates, you know, we are going to run into a wall at some point. And that's why sometimes, you know, you're up and now you're about to keep a tickle, they can keep on ticking. And then you, you turn 50 and all of a sudden you're in the hospital with a massive heart attack or some autoimmune disease or something like that. It's because we have not learned how to bring that down. Yeah. So I'm saying there is a place for that hard line. There is a place for, for the let's lay back and everything's all right. deal, Right. But if we stay in either state for long, it's not going to be productive later on. So we are always trying to find that balance. And human beings are not particularly great naturally at balance. So it's something we have to be intentionally 
intentional about um so a lot of times when you you know coming back to 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 directly answer your question when we when we see that person's parenting style oftentimes it reflects their attachment style those who are more anxious in the attachment style tend to be more um they lean in a lot they may be more active parents they you know they're, they're they're probably um probably sometimes a little more overbearing um but they're very but oftentimes a little bit more emotionally attuned to their child but sometimes too much so so again extremes um sometimes you know we, we uh, baby girl, maybe boy, don't need to know every detail of your life. You know, some things are for adults only. Um, so that you may have that, you may have that extreme. And then you have the other extreme of, I don't, I don't care how you feel. You just do as I say, follow the rules da, 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 and make sure you're, you, you don't bring any trouble home person, you know? Um, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. There's never any room for sharing how I really feel. Um, that's the avoidance style because the avoidance style is comfortable with not being, not having too much, too much depth of emotional connection. They're very big on let's get, get things done. Let's do this or whatever, but I'm not emotionally connecting on a deeper level. Right. Um, and not because intentionally it's like, okay, I don't want to really know, but just because oftentimes we just don't have those skills. We weren't raised with those skills. How many of us grew up, um, saying, well, I feel anxious about such and such. And, you know, that was really, really hurtful to me when you did such and such. Like how many of us grew up saying that? And like it had a good response to it? Probably very few, right? If you even got a word out is, is, is the question because you need to, you need to, con you, you, if you're like me, if you're as old as I am, to get a word out about how you feel in a situation that was heated with the adults, you know, you had to, you had to factor in whether or not you wanted to attend a dentist tomorrow or not. You know, do you want to do, do you want to do that? And more often than not, we don't really want to. So you say nothing. So you stuff your feelings and you keep it stifled and you, you, you don't really share. And you oftentimes don't have a place to share how you're really feeling on the inside. So we learn to dismiss our feelings. We learn to dismiss how, what's going on with us. And so we learn to do that with other people as well, because we've learned, again, the brain set up a template, right? And that template is feelings don't matter. The reality, however, is that they do. Because what we, even though we don't give expression to it, our body still feels it. And then it just stuffs it in a corner somewhere until there's too much dust in the corner and then it starts to explode in places we don't want it to. So that's what happens. But yes, uh, it, that's how we see it show up. You find that, that, that they're going to either lean in too much or not leaning enough with their, in their parenting style with their kids. So they may be doing all of the functional things like feeding, clothing, taking care of bills, et cetera, et cetera. But whether or not they're really connected with their kid, whether or not their child feels comfortable sharing what's really on their minds and hearts, that's not always the case. And since I work with children and teenagers, I'm fully aware <laughs> of just how much, how much they don't share with, with, mm -hmm. with parents and why they don't share. Wow. So, mm. yeah. That's so true. So, so true. So how can a parent um, who may be struggling um, with 
that emotional bond, that emotional um, connection with the child, what are some places that they can start um, maybe challenging themselves and learning to, um, you know, connect and retrain and recondition the brain um, so that they can um, work towards providing that safety for their child to share their yeah. feelings and their emotions? There, there are two, two, there's a two-pronged approach to that. One, oftentimes we don't know what we don't know, right? So, so the, so a lot. I, I've heard parents often say, "Oh yeah, we have a great relationship." Then I talk to the child, and I find out otherwise, right? And I, there's all of this stuff on the back end that's going on. Um, because the parent's perception of what is great and the child's perception of what is great, two different things. So here, I think the fundamental piece of it is to assume that we don't know what we don't know. And as a result, commit to doing our own work. That's where it starts. It starts with us being our own, doing our own work. If we become more comfortable with our own emotions, with our own stuff, we're better able to hold and to manage what another human bring, being brings to us, whether that's a child or it's our spouse or, you know, our, our boss, we're better able to manage that when we are to manage ourselves first. So the fundamental is to first assume that you, you don't know what you don't know and choose to have an attitude, a teachable spirit to lean in to learning more to recognizing or what, what is it that I don't, you know, that I don't get, you know, um, one thing that I've seen over the years, and I don't know what you, I think your demographic is similar to mine, but a lot of us assume that the ways that we parent or the ways that we see parenting and see children are very much rooted in culture when they're actually rooted in trauma. And so we have to explore that and debunk Wait, some of that. That was good. <laughs> I say that again. Say that again. <laughs> A lot of things that we assume, we assume that they are, oh, well, this is how we do it as a culture. They're actually trauma responses. They're socialized trauma responses, things that we learn because that's how we our parents or grandparents, great, 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 great grandparents were treated. And so we pass that on. And again, here's what, hear me loud and clear. There was a place for that because your life was in danger. However, the very few of us live in that kind of circumstance today. Now, of course, there are the systemic issues. I'm not going to ignore that, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, we're not living in that 24-7. And as a result, we have to have, add more tools. We have to assume that we need to add more tools to our toolbox so that we can, we can not just survive anymore, but we can prepare, prepare our children and model to our kids how to thrive. We can't just continue to just survive. We have to be able to thrive. And that requires a very different set of skills. So yes, we survived X. Yes, we survived slavery. Yes, we survived the Holocaust. Yes, we survived a whole number of horrific things. But now can we thrive in the promised land? That's a, those are a whole diff, very different set of skills. 
And so we ha again, we have to assume what we that we don't know what we don't know. And so we have to approach parenting and approach this whole connecting with our kids, not from the what do I need to do for my kid, but more so how can I connect with myself? When I learn to connect with myself, I can learn to connect with my kid. Because then I can I can manage when a child when my child is frustrated and they want to throw my three year old wants to throw a tantrum, I can see past just the fact that they are being quote unquote disrespectful, and I can see well they're tired or they're hungry or they're overwhelmed with everything that we've done for today. I can see all of that because I learned how to stop and connect and check in with me. I don't push past the fact that I'm exhausted and say I'm tired instead. I know I'm exhausted. That means I can't do anything else. I need to lay down and sleep. When I'm aware of that for myself, I can be aware of that for, for my child. So again, I assume that we don't know what we don't know, you know, yeah. and, and be committed to be lifelong learners of new skills so that we learn new skills and model new to our kids because they're going to be in a very different world than what we what we came up with. There are going to be some similarities, but there are some things they're going to meet differently, and so we're going to need to be prepared to provide them with the mentals so that they're mm -hmm. able to thrive again and survive if they need to, but thrive, which they must. Yeah. Ooh. That was powerful. Um, there's so much to unpack. I'm like, do we need to do a part two or something? But... <laughs> well, see, make sure we didn't flood your flood your viewers first because <laughs> we went in really deep. What do you guys yeah. think? What you... Put some comments in there, guys, about what you think about um, what we're saying. Any thoughts? Do we go too fast? Do we need a part two or three or four? It needs to be broken down. Yes, please um, share. Um, please uh, share any questions, any comments. You are gleaning from 20, 20 years of experience on this topic. So if something that she's saying is resonating with you and you are identifying your own attachment styles, if you're seeing how, you know, sometimes you can't feel shut down or amped up, um, as within yourself or with your parenting, please, 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 please do share um, any questions or comments that you have. Um, yeah. I think, um, what is a practical way um, that a parent um, uh, could start checking in with themselves? Yeah. So, so, so one, again, one thing is, um, of course, I'm biased, so say, by <laughs> therapist. <laughs> um, thanks to the Affordable Care Act and later on COVID, um, we have more access to um, to to clinicians in a, in, a, in an affordable way than we had um, ten years ago. So take advantage of that. Most of you have may have a job that offers employee assistance um, program where um, they give. The, especially with this pandemic, like they've just been doling out sessions like crazy. So take advantage of that. You work hard enough for it. Take advantage of it. At least test it out and see if you like it. And again, therapy is a goodness of fit. So if you don't like the first person that you met, you know, you don't feel a connection with them, keep looking until you find the right one. Um, but I will say that that's a great way because you have, an, you have a neutral person who is also confidential. Um, 
to be able to who can give you feedback on what they're seeing because we can assume a whole lot about what we're who we are until we get feedback from others who who you know are looking on at what we're doing um so that's one way another one of you know if you're not ready to take that step or if you're already in that place and you want to do go deeper you know you can eat <laughs> you know just as how we find discounts for our favorite foods and our favorite whatever we like to indulge in and we will go scour the stores for it and stuff like that we can find books we can find podcasts we can find youtube videos like you know like like um or instagram videos like the one we're doing now we can look up hashtags find the information and just start listening just start listening listening something different i often say to people um most of people who i work with are like first timers first timers in the sense of first in their family to be doing x or y or z right trying to do something different trying to change the trajectory of the generation when we ever were the pioneers we're trying to change you you can't do that in a vacuum so you have to get intentionally get around people who are where you want to be, people who are going in the same direction as you. You have to immerse yourself in listening to things, seeing things, reading things that are may seem un feel uncomfortable, but they you're going to get the language over time, right? So it's the same like you know if you want to be financially literate kind of have to just listen to a lot of and feel like a fish out of water you don't know what they're talking about these 500 sop snp whatever it is that they talk about you don't know but after a while it gets in your psyche and you start understanding it and it starts rolling off your tongue like nothing else it's the same thing with the parenting piece so reading books on on parenting um i would recommend um attachment focused parenting by dr dan hughes um, he's one of the people I, I, I trained under in those early days. Um, anything by Dr. Bruce Perry, who recently co-authored a book with Oprah Winfrey. Um, but in, in my early days of learning about children and attachment style, I also sat under a lot of his teaching. I mean, a lot of his research and stuff like that. Um, but the latest one, What Happened to You, that's a really simple read, but it's really, really good about helping us to like take a deep, deep dive as to what, what's gone on with our lives. Um, there's an organization called Attach, attach.org, I think is their, is their website that it's the focus is to help people learn more about attachment and attachment styles especially with regards to children so they have a lot of um resources on their website a lot of articles they have conference they've had conferences over the years i'm not sure what they've done during covid but they've had con so i'm saying here are some places to start start looking at some of these kind reading differently hearing some different things um another really great one is um this this is fairly recent parenting from the inside out and i just really learned of that one i have to dive deeply into it but just reading um the overview it's good okay there you go see good stuff see i trained her well <laughs> but but it's but I heard the overview and I was like, okay, this is definitely the direction you want to go in. So um, that's another great one that you can that you can dive into. Um, and and again, just learning about you and um, I recommend highly. Um, it it didn't start with you. I can't remember the author's name, um, but it didn't start with you. Is a really great one Mark, too. Mark Mark Lowry is it? L is it Lowry? No. 
I'll have to look it up. But um, but that's a really great one. So I'm saying, get with podcasts, get with you know, get with uh, 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 other um, with ther- therapists for sure. Find YouTube videos or what. Start listening, listening to this stuff that's different that talks about who you are on the inside. Back in the day, it used to be the Oprah, the Oprah show, you know, where she used to delve into all these topics and bring on the the thing. Now we have Dr. Phil, um, and I know people love, people have their their things about about their pros and cons with that. But what I found is that what is done is just opened up more conversations so that people are more comfortable even just exploring these topics. Right, yeah. whether you agree with their methodology or not, but at least open yourself up to being able to talk about and introspect and see where you are. There are lots of great workbooks out there on different topics um, that that allow for you to just kind of go through, go through, and kind of learn some more. I suggest strongly that those be, you know, that you go through that with a, with a, a trained professional because sometimes things come up that. You may not be prepared to handle on your own and need skills to do that. Um, but those are starting points to at least stir the pot where that is concerned. As you get more comfortable with with talking about these things and looking at these things, you'll be more comfortable being able to feel proud to be able to bring those things to you. Um, one, one very, 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 very basic, a step that you can take today is to Google um, the feelings charts feeling thoughts on Google, mm-hmm. click on images. You get tons of images with a ton of feeling words. And then every day or every couple of days or every week, however you want to start, challenge yourself to identify which feelings have you had this week? Which feelings mm-hmm. have you had to be? Get a journal, write it down. And just mm-hmm. keep track. The, the reason why that's important is that language allows us to be able to con- what we need and what we want when a child doesn't have language what happens they turn into tantrums when adults don't have language we have road rage attacking flight attendants on the plane <laughs> you know attacking we have- sorry they exactly and they Exactly. We, we end up acting out as well. So challenging yourself just to even become comfortable with being able to identify feelings to yourself, feelings beyond sad, happy, mad, and glad, like, yeah, like thousands of words beyond that. Um, so get comfortable with being able to identify those because that will determine how much you are able, you can pass it on to your kids. Let's learn feeling words together. You know, and you can teach them their own feelings, the vocabulary, so that they can tell you when they're frustrated, rather than just tossing something on the floor or laying, you know, laying. Oh, I feel frustrated, or I feel overwhelmed, or I feel this, or I feel that. That has common language. And one of the things that we I didn't talk about earlier is that you know I have I have a child of my own, and um. It's it, it, it's 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 a double-edged sword that she has two therapists for parents um, <laughs> because from an early age we start we, we taught her to and I was I, because of my background I was instrumental in doing this was just teaching her how to use her words to describe her feelings and one way that I did that was just when she was sleepy I would say hmm you're rubbing your eyes, you're doing this, you're acting sillier than usual. You're do- I just described the behavior that I was seeing and said, I think this looks like you're sleepy. 
-hmm. right? She wasn't old enough to tell me, no, I'm not sexy yet. And, and we would just keep doing that. And after a while, she was the one saying, mommy, I'm rubbing my eyes. Wow. I'm acting silly. I think I might be sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> right because she started to learn to recognize her own behavior and as a result she was able to reg regulate her own so when mm -hmm. when once you've learned your feeling vocabulary and be able to recognize it for yourself mm -hmm. you can now use that, that same language to help the kids recognize when they are frustrated when they're mm -hmm. angry when they're hurt when they're disappointed and then we'll work together on a solution as to how to deal with it if we don't have language and everything is angry we really don't know what's going on yeah. and anger just that everything just gets dealt with in one in a stop shop but there's so many different emotions that we have going on we have to deal with those things individually so if you want to just start out the gate today and it's low cost you know you don't have the extra room it's google feeling sharp Start there. Challenge yourself to keep look. Get it out. I'm a therapist, but I have several of them, and I have them in a folder, and I pull them out ever so often because I'm like, I, I can't figure it out today. Like, what do we, what's going on? Flip through yeah. until you find the one that sounds or feels right. And we have multiple emotions about one about any incident. So don't think you only have to have one feeling. You can have ten different emotions going on about one thing. Yeah. So just challenge yourself to do that and then get into spaces and places and with people who can, um, who can give you some light on that. And that mm -hmm. is going to revolutionize how you're able to even think about parenting because now you're more attuned to yourself yeah. and how you're coming across and then you can, they can be more attuned. And you're modeling for your kids too. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yep. 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 I think that, that last part that you also said was, is huge how important it is, you know, once we are, you know, we're able to have that emotional capacity for ourselves and we've learned our own coping with open uh, coping skills, a way of coping with our emotions, we're able to teach um, our children, you know, they're able to learn from us and how we respond to difficult things. Um, so I think it's so important for us to learn to self-regulate so that we have the capacity to help our children regulate. Um, exactly. So I... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to put one caveat in there. Not, it's not really a caveat, but it's really more of an underscore. That mm -hmm. includes our boys. Yeah. Let's not assume yes. that it's a girl thing. Yeah. Because we, we, we put a lot of expectations on our little boys that they shouldn't cry and they need to yeah. suck it up and all kinds of yep. stuff. And then we wonder why they can't be emotionally connected in relationships and they go from person to person to person later on because they can't go any deeper in their emotional connection. We're asking them to do things as adults that we haven't taught them to do as kids. Yeah. So that includes our boys. We want them, we don't need them to be falling out every five minutes, but they do, they do need to be able to have a place and space where they can be real about their emotions, where they can feel safe and much better place than home to be able to do that. They don't necessarily need to go do it at every, down the street with every Tom, Dick and Harry, but home should be a safe place where your kids let to can unwind and be themselves and we can talk through it you can provide them with skills with strategy or whatever to do with whatever's coming up but if we keep telling them suck it up and be a man and be strong and all all of this other stuff yeah you can only suck it up for so long before it starts spilling out in the wrong place yes ma'am 
Yes, ma'am. And for all the stuff that our boys have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis, we need them to spill before it gets to before it gets to a bad place. So that includes our boys. We want them to be able to say, "Yes, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm this and that and the other," and be at least be able to say it to themselves so they know what to give themselves. Mm -hmm. right so if you if you're frustrated what do you do do you need to take some deep breaths do you need to walk away do you need to you know to, to go and draw do you need to go shoot some hoops right rather than i'm okay i'm okay and then next thing you know the one person says the wrong word and they're like punching somebody's lights out and then you have another state on your hands so that includes our boys it's not just a female thing this is for mm -hmm. all of us so that when they get older Maybe Kanji and I can retire early. You know, we won't have to be dealing with so <laughs> that come up in relationships because we're expecting them to now talk about feelings and after they have not been taught. Yeah, anyway, just wanted to put that in there. <laughs> That's so good. That's a, such a good caveat to um, to leave with us because I think you're right. We have to break the stigma of emotions and emotional processing is only a thing that a woman should do so i think that was a very very important exclamation to make um man this has been an amazing topic there's so much meat here so much that i want to unpack i can't stop thinking about what you said with um the trauma how we're we're parenting in trauma and we're not in that space anymore so even with the suck it up you know, what are you crying for? Like, they're not in a space where that response is necessary. But I mean, it, and it just goes back to what we're trying to do or what we're trying to raise awareness with is how um, that generational trauma, even in your parenting style could come out, you know, so I mean, I'm more, uh, I hope that, um, go ahead. No, I was just no. I'm just I'm smiling because I'm like if, if you if you guys out there want to hear more, or you go put put those comments in there so Kanji will know how to set up her program. <laughs> Man, please, um, please, 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 definitely comment. Let us know if this is something that you want to hear more of, and we'll definitely do a part two. Um, I know I probably might have to not even wait for the comments and just just call forth the part two because I think and you guys see me putting my head down because I'm still learning from this woman I'm here taking notes <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm taking notes because I'm seeing things see Sonia saying yes part two Sonia maybe we might pull yes, you into the part like two. part two <laughs> <laughs> oh man Sonia is my clinical supervisee sister we have been rolling from day one and um, yes. she also works with children so maybe one of these days I will oh somebody else said part two. Oh, somebody maybe else said day. part two alright ah, that's <laughs> awesome thank you um, your inside story I love that name um, your inside story LLC amazing um, so I just want to thank Miss Natasha, I still call her Miss Natasha, affectionately, <laughs> out of respect, taught me everything I know, like I told you guys. Um, the reason why I think I, I love working with kids and am so passionate about attachment and the brain, all these things. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for, um, you know, accepting the call, sharing your wisdom with us. 
um, we're definitely um, looking forward to the part two. We'll, we'll figure out a date and a time <laughs> to yeah. have that. Um, any final uh, parting words that you want to leave with parents who um, have experience? Yeah, she taught us everything we know. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, and you guys are doing great um, things praise god <laughs> any parting words for parents who maybe this information resonated with and um you know any words of encouragement for them as they probably think about going on their own healing journey absolutely uh I, I, the think about the fact that this is a journey I remember when I was younger that you would, I would think, you know, I was raised with my grandmother primarily. And so I would often, I was around all these older people and I would think, oh my goodness, you know, you were given the impression that they have arrived, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and until you get into like your thirties and forties, you go like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> there was stuff going on, but, but I, this is, know that this is a journey not we, we're not wearing this information to to start saying you know pointing from making you feel like you know you're the worst thing since sliced bread it is an invitation to continue the journey to know that as you grow your kids will grow one of the first things we learn in therapy as therapists is that your clients aren't going to go beyond where you are so that's why we are required and we, we have to keep learning every year every couple of years because we need to grow in the same way as parents. We are modeling for our kids. So this is a journey. So start small, be gracious with yourself. There are some things we didn't know what we didn't know. Okay, it's, it's spilt milk. Commit to yourself today to start that journey, to not be afraid to, take, to, 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 to go on that journey with Pandora's box. Find yourself an, another, another friend, parent friend, or your, if, if you're, if you're if you're married, have your partner, you know, reach out to your partner and talk about it. See, but find someone who will go on this journey with you or who is on this journey with you. I believe in the village mindset. I believe in the fact that you, 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 you need to have people around you to support your journey and your decision. And so if you can't find them close to you, keep following Kanji, um, and, and, and safe space parenting, um, look out for, for, for things from other people who are also doing um, things around this parenting world and listen, think, talk about it, journal, you know, just keep growing and leaning into this, find a therapist and talk through some of this stuff so that you can be a better version of you between now and next year. We're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for progress. Awesome. That was amazing. And that's an awesome way to end um, tonight's instagram live discussion i thank everybody who um signed on and signed off and came back and we appreciate you oh <laughs> sonia says <"Mic> drop. <laughs> so we just thank you guys for being a part of this conversation and i thank you so much again miss natasha for just accepting this invitation to come and share your knowledge with us on the very 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 important attachment um it goes right into um the ways to heal childhood emotional neglect and so um i hope that you guys enjoyed and that something that was said resonated and was helpful um again if you want to hear more 
um, continue or maybe uh, call to action, uh, maybe just say something or write something below that really stood out, resonated, so we know what you're taking away from this conversation as well. Absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> so have <laughs> a great evening and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye.